Hello, and welcome to Relationship Renovation Podcast. My name is EJ Kerwin. And I'm Tara Kerwin. Hi, Tara. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited for today. I am as well. Today, uh, we have a a guest. She's actually come back for her second time on our podcast, and uh, her name is Jessie Kral. Hello, Jessie. Hi, Jessie. Hello. Good morning. It's so good to be here. And we're so happy to have you again. Thank you. I know a lot of our listeners from the podcast you did a few weeks ago really enjoyed that window of tolerance and all of the different techniques you talked about. And so we are so thankful. And we've heard a lot of responses about how helpful that podcast was. Awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah. How are you this morning? How's it going? I'm doing really good. Tomorrow's the first day of spring and we live in Arizona and it's freaking gorgeous. It's in the 80s. Yeah. Right now. Well, um, let's, you know, it's always nice because a lot of times we do have first time listeners. Um, Tell us just, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your area of expertise, how you got into therapy. Just just give us a little recap of you. Yeah. So a little bit about me is I have my master's in clinical mental health counseling. And then I have a certificate in somatic experiencing, which is also known as SE. So I'll I'll use SE throughout so you'll know what I'm talking about. But SE is really this gentler, kinder way through trauma as I see it. So that really got me motivated to talk today about stabilizing joy and pleasure because I'd go into SE sessions as a client initially and I'd walk out and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so good and so happy and amazing. And this is really weird because this is supposed to be about trauma. Um, But... (laughs) What we found, what I found once I started studying it is that joy and pleasure is really hard to hold in the body. So we need to first be able to hold some joy and pleasure in our body before we want to dive into these harder topics. So instead, we dip our toes into the more difficult stuff from an embodied place of joy and pleasure. We'll get more into that today, but it's a little preview. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is that is that kind of what you what got you into it being a client of SE first? Totally. Wow. I was like, this stuff is amazing. I tried other forms of therapy as a client and I would leave and I'd feel drained. Like I mm. had to go sleep for 24 hours. I'd leave an SE session and I had all this energy. Wow. And I was like, I've got to find out what's going on here. Like, why am I feeling so much better from this? And I really believe that it was that weaving in of the joy and the pleasure. So I really believe this whole concept can be brought into relationships and the importance of finding that place of positivity, Mm -hmm. of joy, of pleasure, and not looking for the bad things. Oh my, see, I told you guys we were excited for today because how often is it that we're embracing joy and pleasure? We're always looking at what's not working, how uncomfortable we feel, how do we not feel uncomfortable? So this is so awesome. Yeah, that's that is that's interesting cuz right cuz most people whether they're individuals or a couple coming to therapy, they're coming to therapy because something's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 also what keeps people out of therapy a lot of times is that they're convinced it's going to be this brutal process that it's going to be draining, that it's yeah. going to sort of deplete from their life instead of uh 
add, you know, enrich their life. And it sounds like that was a big experience for you. Yeah. You know, you just made me think of one of the profound moments that I had with my first SE therapist where I was dating someone at the time. This was before my husband and other therapists would say like, what's the red flags? Like that's like their first freaking question. Yeah. And this therapist was like, what do you love about your boyfriend? And I always remember that. Like even when couples come to see me, it's like, what do you love about each other? Exactly. Yes. That reminds me. So when we do our consultations, they're like 30 minute consultations. So they go by really fast. And of course they come in for a reason and like, well, what initially brought you here? And then kind of midway through, we're like, well, let's kind of refocus, you know, what made you guys choose each other? And they kind of stop dead in their tracks. And it's like, what do you love about each other? And they're like, uh, isn't this talking about like all of our dysfunction? And it's just such a nice shift to end the consultation with because they remember what they enjoyed and what they embodied when they first met each other instead of all of the reasons why they're having to come to a couples counseling consultation. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a, a big piece as well, just in, in couples uh, wellness in general, is that we I feel like we are most apt to tell our partner what we don't like that they're doing, you know, what they need to change and much less likely to say like, hey, this is something you did today that was like really wonderful and made me feel good. Yeah. You know, it's just not our go-to. And, and I don't think that's just in couples, but I think it's, you know, it, definitely in couples, I'm used to feeling like, you know, that sometimes my faults get pointed out more frequently than my, than what's positive. Your strengths. Yeah. Well, so should we just go ahead and introduce the topic, Miss Jessie? Yeah. yeah, please do. Yeah. So, so we're talking about stabilizing joy and pleasure. Yes. So the first thing that I really want to bring to light is that we all have a negativity bias. The brain has a negativity bias. By that, I mean, we are wired for survival. So at every moment we're worried about threat. Where's the threat? Where's the threat? Where's the threat? So we have to really work towards going against this negativity bias and and doing practices like what EJ, you were just talking about of being in appreciation, being in gratitude. Mm -hmm. Um, Another term that is really common is we will forebode joy. So we'll feel joy for, for a moment or maybe we'll we'll see something our partner does that's awesome and we'll feel really good. And then in the next moment, we're like, well, starting to think about that thing that they did wrong yeah. earlier or <laughs> that they could do wrong later. And um, it's like that waiting for the other shoe to drop. So really the, the antidote to foreboding joy is really to get into gratitude, to start to think, what am I grateful for? What is going right in our relationship? What do we do well? What are we proud of? What have we accomplished together? And really mm-hmm. just being in this place of appreciation and gratitude. And that brings joy and pleasure. It's not the joy and pleasure that brings the gratitude. Right. It's <laughs> the the gratitude that brings on the joy and the oh, pleasure. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Do you, do you think that like early on in relationship, 
we're less focused on the negativity, like, you know, because it, it does seem like right when you get together with somebody, you see all of the things that are, that are really amazing about them, that are really wonderful about them. And then it, it does seem to fade a little bit, right? Oh, I love that you brought that up. And I think that's because your brain on love is basically like drugs. <laughs> so um, at the beginning, like all these happy sensations are happening with the dopamine being released. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of like this high, like you're on drugs. And I think people expect that that yeah. will last. And it it doesn't. Yeah. That's interesting too, because so at the beginning, you just think it's natural, like, oh, it's just this person that's making me this happy, this excited, this attracted, right? Yeah. And so you, and you don't tune into that there's a biochemical thing going on, but then when it fades, mm. you do the same thing. You sort of like think like, well, this person really wasn't as great as I thought they were. Yep. Yeah. It's exactly true. You're still as great as I thought you were, Tara. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about that. So you're you're talking about negativity bias is something we're programmed with. It's what kind of kept us alive a couple hundred thousand mm -hmm. years ago is noticing yeah. like what if that tastes bitter, it's poisonous, don't do it again. Yeah. You didn't you don't take in just the the normal pleasant things as as seamlessly. So here we are in the whatever 21st century and this is causing us problems in relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are the problems? What are the problems of that negativity bias going unnoticed or, or, you know, not understanding what it is? What problems does it create in relationship? I think it creates a lot of disconnection and resentment towards one another and sort of feelings of like, this is never going to get better. This is hopeless. You know, it could lead to people having an affair because mm -hmm. when they meet somebody new, they're going to get that, you know, love on drugs yeah. kind of feeling. And what they're not recognizing is it's not that there's something wrong with them or with their partner. This is just like the natural process of what happens with the brain. And mm -hmm. we have to make conscious choices to overcome the natural process in the brain. It's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> so hard. We don't we we always tell all of our clients, couples that we work with, like, this is not easy, right? It's like brave heart when you come here and try to like change biology and the yeah. way your brain is yeah. working. We also know that when couples start to perceive each other as threatening, that it's so toxic. It's toxic for the system, for the if there's kids involved, and just at an individual level to have to feel that much resentment in your body and and yes. threat by the person that you loved the most. Oh yeah, and it creates and and I know we talked about some of this last time, but it creates those survival strategies mm -hmm. like fight or flight or freeze right. or collapse, and really, we're not necessarily even in threat when these survival strategies are being activated. I mean, maybe sometimes, but in general, like it happens when we're not even yeah. in threat. And if we stop long enough, we could realize that and recognize that. Yeah. I know we'll get into some strategies yeah. for that. I mean, that's the direct tie to the to that negativity bias, right? Is because we're we're still animals but you know a couple hundred thousand years ago 
there was a constant threat to our viability, to being alive. And those things, you know, especially in Western society, those things have, have diminished for the most part. But relationship is that place where we get so activated, where where we get angry, where we get frustrated. And it runs through that same, like, you know, brain system that says this person is a threat to you. I mean, I know like in arguments that we've had, like in times yeah. where we weren't very mindful, especially early on, I know like, man, it's just like this person who you love and is wonderful literally enrages you, you know? And it's and if you don't recognize what's going on and if you don't have some ways to deal with that, you know, even if it's most of the time doesn't go to any kind of a dangerous place, but it's emotionally dangerous, right? And it's certainly a threat to your relationship. Well, and and then it's like an experience, a negative emotional experience that kind of gets imprinted. So when it happens again, then it strengthens that. And then that's where the couples that we see come in, they're like, it's intolerable. It's either something changes or we're done. Yeah. All right. So so now, you know, we're we're trying to increase everybody's awareness of the fact that that there are, you know, sort of evolutionary biological mm-hmm. reasons that we get really activated in relationship and we soak in a lot of negative experiences. So, so how do we, how do we shift that? You know, how do we create with our partner more of those really positive experiences? Well, I think part of it is that on an individual level, we really need to be able to find ways that we can hold on to joy and pleasure in our body. So I'm going to give you an example, and I'm kind of getting comfortable in my seat here. Um, But if you, and you can do it now if you're not walking or doing something else. If you're seated, feel your feet on the ground and come into your breath for a moment. Just noticing your breath and let your eyes wander around the room. And you're just going to let them land wherever they want to land, kind of on something that feels joyful or pleasurable. So I have landed on this awesome picture of a gold heart that you can actually touch, and it's amazing. (laughs) And so then I'm going to be looking at that, and I'm going to notice what do I feel as I look at this? And what do I feel in my body? And I'm going to try to really feel some of those happy feels. So like when I look at this heart, I feel a smile come on my face. I feel my heart opening a little bit. I feel a warmth inside. So this is the simplest little exercise. We often do it in SC sessions at the beginning to get people you know, started from a place of embodied joy and pleasure. But you can do it. You could be sitting in a class and low-key, looking around, orienting, trying to find that thing that brings some joy and pleasure. And nobody's the wiser. Nobody notices that you're doing it. Mm. My favorite is to do it while looking at the moon or a sunset or a sunrise mm-hmm. and because I really feel connected to nature. So finding something that you can connect with and you can really take it in in your body and see how long you can stay with it. And if you find yourself kind of wanting to forebode joy or go into this place of 
God, I got this laundry list of things to do and I'm stressed Mm -hmm. out. And kind of what we naturally do, try to come back to the body, come back to the thing that you're looking at and really just play with the edge of how long can I let myself stay in this place of joy and pleasure? Yeah. I mean, it's really what you're talking about, right? Is mindfulness, right? It's yes. like, it's like that ability, but being mindful of something that is pleasant or beautiful or wonderful. Yeah. Can I share my experience? Yeah. I got a story too after you. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, thank you. Cause I, I'm really truly getting what you're trying to do here. Um, So I am looking at my coffee cause coffee brings me joy and warmth. And then I kind of was like, maybe for about 30 seconds, I'm like, oh yeah. And then I'm like, oh gosh, I just chose coffee. And Jesse just chose like a moon. Am I a bad person? (laughs) I started judging myself for having coffee as the thing that brings me some pleasure. And then I'm like, hold on, no. Coffee reminds me of like weekends off and waking up with EJ at five in the morning. And it's our first thing that we do when we check in. And then I go back to like, is coffee a bad thing? Like, and then with you reminding me, I'm like, okay, Tara, it's just foreboding joy. Like my thoughts were all over the place and judgment. And so I I get now how it's just, it's really hard to stay focused on that. But the more you do it, I bet you it just becomes like a skill that starts to become more natural. Exactly. So that was my experience in just like three minutes. Oh my gosh. And that's just like, that's just you, right? That's just the tug and pull that happens within you as the individual. But then, because I was thinking of a couple that um, that we worked with a few years ago and how, you know, some of us are more naturally connected to the moment or a little more mindful and it's easier to sink into those pleasurable mm-hmm. moments and other people are 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 less so right and i i can remember one couple where he was like i just want to like sit back in the mornings and you, what you're talking about tara like i want to like enjoy that cup of coffee and really taste it and enjoy that moment and she was like what are you talking about like when he tries to get me to do that it agitates me because i got stuff going on i gotta like get going and i gotta you know get the kids ready and do all this and it and it would create sort oh, of a tug of war because he did. was trying to pull her into the embracing joy experiencing you're you're talking about and she was in the foreboding and so and she felt so pressured and like responsible to make him happy and he felt resentful of the fact that like i can't i I have this thing i want to soak in the positivity of life and so that differentiation for a couple between those two places also could be really tough right Uh, i just got goosebumps i love that you're talking about it and i just saw the other day in a session with a couple it's like she's like I've got to clean the house. I've got to do everything before I can sit down and and just be in a joyful place. And he's like, I'm just trying to have a good time. And, (laughs) you know, so they're just totally misattuning on that. So I guess, you know, that brings to a great point of like, how do you play with these differences and how do you come to the same place? And I really do think a conscious practice of appreciations, which I know you guys talk about a lot, Mm. you've talked about on the podcast, but to really like sit down, making eye contact, Mm -hmm. no distractions, just looking into one another's eyes and telling one another what you appreciate about them. Mm -hmm. I feel like flexing that muscle just helps create uh, more equanimity within the coupleship of the joy and the pleasure. Um, 
There's so much around positive interactions for Mm -hmm. couples. I'm going to throw out just a couple research statistics from the Gottmans, who are like my heroes in in the relationship arena. absolutely. (laughs) And uh, they say that in everyday interactions in a relationship, we need to have a 20 to 1 ratio between positive interactions and negative interactions. And even in a conflict, I love this, we still need to have five positive to one negative. So that's way different than what a lot of couples are doing. Oh, yes. Yeah. But that that takes such intentionality, right? Because of of just paying attention, right? Because it's, I, I feel like the challenge isn't just generating those moments, but just noticing them before they just like fly on by and you don't realize that your partner just put their hand on your hand for a second and and made an attempt to connect with you. Mm -hmm. And you're so focused on what they said 15 seconds ago and what you wanna say 10 seconds forward that you miss that like, wow, there was that like kind of a tender moment there. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. Five to one during conflict. I'm just trying to like, I'm racking my brain what that even looks like. A kind of like touch, eye contact is huge. Just like softer tone. Yeah. Wow. Kind words. Kind words. They talk about the slow startup. Yeah. So using like, I feel. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. I already feel so calm just being with Jesse today. (laughs) (laughs) It's just your energy, girl. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I love this topic too. I mean, there's just so much that we can say about it. I love that you brought up, EJ, the intentionality, Mm. because really it is about that mindfulness, which is just paying attention, which is noticing. So to slow down enough that you can really notice those little things like the hand on your hand and to acknowledge and to receive. And that's part of, and I just got goosebumps again. I love it. That's like full body resonance um, is like stabilizing joy and pleasure is all about slowing down. You cannot do it if you're racing through life. You have to be able Mm -hmm. to slow down. Yeah, I think uh, so. We do on through our social media. We do every Wednesday, like uh, we love Love Wednesday, where somebody gives a piece of relationship advice. And um, I don't know, maybe you could tell because I think this is directly applicable. What you yeah. put up last week is uh, Jesse and her husband have had a practice that they shared with us. Yeah, one of our practices is about. When we come home, the first thing we do is we greet each other with a hug. But it's not just your average, like, quick little hug. It's a hug where we really, we stop, we embrace, we pause. We really notice when our shoulders start to come down. We notice when that deeper breath happens. Like, we wait until... We feel like our nervous system has actually settled before we'll even engage in any kind Mm. of conversation. So it just slows everything down, which for me is great because I can be real speedy. Like my (laughs) lesson in life is to slow down. And I've been practicing that for many, many years and I'm still learning. But uh, I used to come home and I just like... Like just so fast and all about my day. And now that we have that 
space to pause, it shifted our interactions and they're more conscious and mm. enjoyable. Yeah. And, I love that. And I think like what you're speaking about there is is also just the fact, and I got this piece of advice from a, from a, a therapist early in my career was help couples work on their relationship when their relationship doesn't need any work. Mm. You know, that, that instead of like trying to figure out how to pause and connect in a moment where you're activated, and your negativity bias is just like soaking right. it in that you work on it when everything is okay, you know. Just to piggyback on that too, because when I'm doing mindfulness in my individual sessions, I always, you know, it's like I think a lot of people get the idea like, okay, I'm going to utilize mindfulness when I'm feeling frustrated or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't have to just be during uncomfortable feelings. Like when you're feeling really joyful or grateful or you're feeling proud of yourself, like take a moment and reflect on that. What does that feel like in your body? Yeah. Just so many people kind of have this idea that it's mindfulness is to avoid uncomfortable emotions. But to me, it's about being into the positive, joyful emotions as well. Oh, I'm so glad. Like you just summed it up. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like if I were to give somebody an assignment after a session of SE, that's exactly what I would have Mm -hmm. them do. I'd say focus on finding moments where you're in joy and pleasure and where you can allow yourself to feel it in the body and start to notice how long you can feel it in the body Mm -hmm. and Go into gratitude when you find yourself getting out of it. And that is the practice. It's not about trying this when you're super agitated. Like, that's really hard to do. Like, this practice of feeling into the joy and pleasure will help resource people enough to then be yes. able to be more conscious during the difficult moments. But starting with the difficult moments is like a recipe for exactly disaster. Oh, this is All so right. helpful. Wow. Well, I'm going to start that technique with you, honey, when we get home at night. Yeah. From work. Yeah. The <laughs> hugs, even though we're together all day. I know. It's like, boy, I haven't seen you on that car ride home that's uh, 35 seconds. <laughs> Let's <true>. reconnect. <laughs> no, I want to do the hug before we go into like our Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's give everybody just like a quick uh, recap and everybody kind of help me out with this. I mean, the first thing is that we kind of talked about negativity bias, which is that there are, uh, we take in the negative without any effort. It's just something we do. We focus on it much better than we do the positive. Mm-hmm. And that also at the beginning of relationship, for a brief period of time, we take in a ton of positive when we become habituated, that's another thing that we've talked about in other podcasts, that diminishes, the negativity rises. And what Jesse is, is saying today is like, hey, let's use mindfulness to get better at taking in the joy and pleasure of life, period, but certainly your partner in an effort to have a better relationship. And then re, will you recap that the the ratio thing? Because I think sometimes having quantifiable yes. goals is, is useful mm-hmm. for people. Yes. So the ratio is in kind of your, your standard times when you're not in conflict. You want to be at 20 positive interactions for every one negative interaction. And then when you're in conflict, you want to stay with five positives five positive interactions for every one negative interaction. 
And I know that is a really hard one. And mm -hmm. I, I do want to say that I think eye contact is like the number one best thing you can do in the middle of a conflict because it does slow things down a bit and you start to connect a little bit. Any kind of touch can be very helpful, mm -hmm. a, a, just a gentle touch like on the hand or the shoulder. Any kind of kind word can go a very long way in a conflict. Mm. And also refraining from using always or never yes. or you do this and you do, and keeping it about yourself oh. and your own feelings. Do you think you can even like access things like like you look around at your house and you're like, well, okay, like we've built a really beautiful life together yes. or like, yeah, we've been, you know, we've been married for 15 mm. years and there's been many, many positive, you know, is that okay yes, too? That is beautiful. Absolutely. And I have to, let me just piggyback on this. I know we have to wrap up. Um, so in our first session, like one of our first assignments we give couples is put up these six words that you want your relationship to feel like when your work with us is done. And that way you are seeing, and we have ours up in our kitchen because we spend a lot of time in the kitchen, but that way you're, because our brain doesn't just go there, right? Because of that negativity yeah. bias. That even if like EJ and I are kind of getting our little persnickety in the morning, we have those words, respectful, loving, playful. And we're like, oh yeah, <laughs> don't forget That's that. And it's been really helpful to a lot of our couples in the work that we do because they're just like, oh yeah, you just lose that momentum into in difficult times. And I think that helps kind of bring in that yeah idea of, oh, wait, we're trying to create these really loving, connected, positive feelings with each other. And and although this is an uncomfortable moment, I'm going to remember and reflect on the, the positive too. Yes. Well, once again, Jesse, thank Jessie, you. You're amazing. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of our podcast. And a part of our team. We know how much thank work you. you do with couples and how much help that you have given to them. So we're so truly truly grateful to have you with us. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. And we also, we want to kind of just plug something new that we got going oh my on. Gosh. Yeah. We're, we're super excited. We've been working a long time on this. So our program here at our center is called Relationship Renovation. And uh, we've created over the last like really year, we've put together what we call Relationship Renovation at, at home. home. Yeah. You want to tell them a little bit about it, Tara? Absolutely. We're really excited. It should be released in the next, I would say, couple weeks. But Relationship Renovation at Home, it's it's about 22 lessons over a, about a three-month period because our Relationship Renovation program here is 12 weeks with a therapist. Um, and it just kind of gives you guys all these different moments and tools and exercises to understand each other better, to build systems during difficult times, to feel more grateful, to connect in a way that you haven't, to shift levels of intimacy to those deeper levels of intimacy. It's a you know, significant with communication and uh, tools around, you know, having healthy communication with parenting, with finding so many different things. Yeah, there's a video component. So for every mm -hmm. lesson, you kind of watch a video that we've created. And then there's a PDF uh, download of the actual exercise you do. And yeah. uh, it, I, we think it's going to be an, an amazing tool. We're, we're excited to release. You can check it out. Um, there'll be a link on our website, uh, he said, she said counseling.com. Um, you can also always look at our, our social media. Uh, let's see, Instagram now is at relationship underscore 
or renovation. And then our Facebook is at He Said, She Said Counseling. And if you have any questions, any suggestions for uh, for Future episodes podcasts. or you know, even guests were interviewing a lot of people like, like Jesse, and it just really enriches this, this, uh, you know, all the information we give you out. So if you have people who you think would be interested, please just, uh, hit us up at info at he said, she said, counseling.com. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thanks again, have a Jesse. Beautiful day, everybody. Thanks, Jesse. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.